Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, we do welcome you to our uh, series. Our series, we're in week two of our series, The Good Work. And we're looking at an Old Testament character named Nehemiah, an ordinary individual who did something extraordinary and changed the lives of those around him. And as I think about that, I want to set up this message by asking you a question. Is there something that bothers you? Now, now I'm not talking like little pet peeve type stuff. I'm not talking about you're at the grocery store and somebody has 12 items in the 10 item lane or less and you're upset about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, you know, if you're at Bruceville and Elk Grove Boulevard and you're in the inside left turn or someone's in the inside left turn lane and they turn left and then you're in the right lane because you're getting ready to go to Trader Joe's and, and they on the inside lane, they cut you off and cut in front of you to go into Trader Joe's. I'm not talking about those type of frustrations and anger. Not that that has ever happened. By the way, if you're that person, just get in the other lane ahead of time. Just decide if you know you're going there, get in the right turn lane, not the inside lane. All right. (laughs) That bothers me. Okay, okay. but, but (laughs) But I'm talking, is there something bigger than that? Something that weighs on you? Something that perhaps that bothers you on the behalf of other people? It might be a need that you see and you think, man, somebody should be meeting that need. It might be a group of people who are hurting. Maybe somebody or or a group of you are being neglected. Something isn't right. Something needs to be done. Some of us have what might even be called a divine burden, that there's something that, that really upsets you on behalf of God. Something that, that, that you want to see changed and moved in a significant way. Here's what I want you to think about. What's gnawing you on the inside is often the calling that you will embrace on the outside. Let me say it again. What's grabbing your heart on the inside often reveals what you're willing to step into on the outside. In other words, that that thing that tends to, to, to grip you, to upset you, will often drive you and compel you into a ministry or into a calling or into a mission, into making a difference in the lives of other people. What are you bothered about? What disturbs you? What do you see? And it grabs your heart and you think something must be done. Somebody's gotta step in and somebody's gotta step up. Well, guess what? That might just be you. That person might just be you. I believe that God is calling you to do a good work and to make a difference. Now, to, to reset ourselves here and bring us back up to speed from last week, it's, it's 586 B.C., and, and King uh, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon goes to Israel and he invades with his armies. He invades Israel. He captures the, the country. He, he goes into Jerusalem, cap, captures the capital city of Jerusalem, destroys completely the walls, the gates, destroys Solomon's temple. Um, just, and then he takes all of the people captive back to Babylon. And he does this He's basically destroyed the country. He's destroyed their lifestyle, their culture, their values. He took everything away from them. Fast forward from that a few decades later, 
50,000 Jews are allowed to return to their homeland and to rebuild. Can you imagine being those first settlers who had the opportunity to return to their homeland and they returned to their, their, their sacred city? There's no economic system in place. There's no jobs. There's no government. There's no support. There's no leadership. There's no direction. And ultimately, there's just no hope. So these early settlers, they make that return, but they couldn't get anything going. All their efforts just kept stalling out. Then an ordinary, everyday guy by the name of Nehemiah, he is thousands of miles away and he finds out what is happening to those who return to the homeland. Man, and it grabbed him and it wrecked him. He was brokenhearted for the plight of his people. And as I mentioned last week, Nehemiah, he wasn't a pastor, wasn't a priest, wasn't a prophet, wasn't a king. He wasn't a mighty warrior. He was simply an ordinary, everyday guy. He was a servant. In fact, he was a servant. He was a cupbearer, the Bible says, to the king. But when he, returned, he heard the news about those who returned to Israel, he uh, and saw what wasn't happening, it broke his heart. So much so that he, he literally uh, broke down and cried. He wept over it. He wept over the plight of his people and the holy city of Jerusalem. And then we saw last week that not only did he cry, but then he knelt down to actually pray about it. We have 12 of his, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of prayers recorded in the book of Nehemiah. And then uh, as he's calling out to God and he's petitioning to God to help him, and then after that, Nehemiah stood up and he acted and he said, somebody's got to do something that might as well be me. So here's the question for you and I today. How? How do you begin the good work? How do you make the difference even if there's overwhelming odds stacked against you? And that's what we want to look at, and that's the story we want to check out today as we are asking the Spirit of God to move in us, to, to call us and lead us to the good work that he's called every single one of us to. And so we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 if you want to go into a physical Bible, or you can go to your phone to the YouVersion Bible app. Our notes are in there. You can track along there. So how do you do the good work? Well, it starts by seeking God consistently, seeking God faithfully. Over and over and over, we see Nehemiah. He goes before God and he talks to God. The scripture tells us this, that Nehemiah heard the news about his people in the, in the month of Kislev. Now, Kislev was, was the November, December time frame. And he starts praying, and he's praying, and he's praying and praying all the way up to the month of Nisan, which is the month before Toyota. <laughs> Corny joke, just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> Nisan is four months after Kislev. And so for four months, he's consistently and faithfully seeking the God of heaven. Why? Why is he doing this? Because he's asking God to move and God to act and God to lead his steps and for God to direct him and for God to guide him. He knows he needs to talk to his employer, the king, but you know, a cupbearer, your job is to deliver good news and, and to deliver optimistic news and to take burdens off of a king. It's never to deliver disturbing news or difficult news. So Nehemiah, he's in a sticky position. And so he's been praying about this and he's been seeking God consistently and faithfully for months. 
And that's where we want to pick up the story. In Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. And it said this, I had not been sad in the king's presence before. Now, now, I want you to think about this. He has a job, he has a role to do, and he knows what he's called to do and what he's not allowed to do. But somehow, some way, his grief, his aching that he was experiencing was so strong that he couldn't even put on a face. It, it was oozing out of him. It was now leaking out of him, no matter how hard he tried to put on a good face. And so the king, verse 2, asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Now, this is interesting. He's the king having this kind of conversation with a lowly servant, which shows you actually the relationship the king and the servant, Nehemiah, have, that there's such a connection that the king actually knows. And again, he trusts Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a person of integrity. And so he could see Nehemiah, and he knew something was going on. I can see it, Nehemiah, in your, very, in your, your countenance. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, the king said to me, what is it that you want? Now, I want you to watch this because we just see this over and over and over in Nehemiah. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah was a man who, who he walked intimately with God. He would spend time with God in long and powerful prayers, but then he'd also talk to God just in the moment. He would have these short, quick prayers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. It says, pray without ceasing. See, that's Nehemiah. He's just regular and consistent in his prayers and in his conversations before, with God. And so right now in this moment, he gives like this text prayer to God. He just shoots this out to God. Hey, God, help me right now. God, right now in this situation, give me the words. God, give me the wisdom right in this very moment. God, direct my steps. I'm being asked a question and, and I want to know what to do. God, I, I need your help right now. God, would you speak? Now, don't miss this. When it comes to us seeking God consistently and faithfully, when it comes to having conversations with God and talking to God, there is nothing that's too big for the power of God that you don't pray about. And there is nothing that's too small for his heart. God cares about what you care about. Now, I want you to really think about that. He cares about what you care about, the burdens you have, the aches that you experience. God cares about that. And so for four months, Nehemiah is faithfully, consistently seeking God. And, and he's going before the, before the Lord. And he has these burdens. And here's what I know about you. You have a heart for something. You have a drive. You have a passion. You have a, 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 a care about something. You have a vision for something. Listen, pour it out to God. Seek God consistently and faithfully. God, I need you. God, lead me in this. God, I'm not sure what to do about this. God, direct me. Guide me. And that's what Nehemiah is doing for four months, consistently seeking after God because he knew there was nothing that was too big for God's power, but he also knew there was nothing that was too small for God's heart. So how do you do the work? How do you make a difference even if odds are against you. Well, the first thing, seek God faithfully. Seek God consistently, regularly. Secondly, how do you begin the good work? How do you do the good work? Then you define the goal clearly. Define the vision clearly. For most people, 
our problem isn't a lack of caring. Our problem is a lack of clarity. It's not that we don't care, it's just that we're not clear. We're not specific about what God's calling us to do. Nehemiah was clear. The king asked him, hey, Nehemiah, what do you want me to do? And then Nehemiah goes on and says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. One sentence. Absolute clarity. Please send me to Judah so I can rebuild, so I can rebuild the walls and the gates. Send me. So you seek God faithfully, but then you also define your goal, define your vision clearly. You know what Nehemiah didn't do? Nehemiah didn't, when the king said, hey, what do you want me to do? Nehemiah didn't say, you know, um, well, you know, it's funny you ask. I, I, I've been thinking about this and, and, you know, just there's stuff going on. You know, I was thinking about going on a mission trip and, and it's, you know, it's, it's back to my homeland. I got some family there and, and, you know, I was thinking I might raise some money and ask some friends to sponsor me. And I don't know, King, you know me and, and, and I've worked with you. I don't know, maybe you could do something or maybe you could, I don't know, what do you think? That's not what he does. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't water it down. He was clear. Our problem isn't a lack of caring. Our problem is a lack of clarity. What is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to do? What specifically do you feel like God is putting inside of you and calling to bring out of you? In a sentence, be clear. Because if you can't define it, you can't be in a position to actually do it. If you can't define it, you can't be in the position to do something about it. So just like Nehemiah, in one simple sentence, what is God leading you to do? What's the Spirit of God? Even as we're talking today, what is the Spirit of God speaking to you? In a sentence, what is he calling you to do? You might say, you know, uh, God is leading me to lead my family to be completely debt-free by the end of this 2022, including the house, or maybe outside of the house, but we're going to be debt-free. Maybe for some of you, God is calling you, if you're in school, God is calling you to have a conversation about Jesus and faith with every single person in your classes before summer starts. Or if you're in the work environment, workplace, and, and, and you feel like God is calling me to have faith conversations, conversations about Jesus with everybody that I work with and to do that this year. Maybe for some of you, you've sensed God's calling you to more generosity and, and, and a greater giving goal. Not just to give regularly or faithfully, but maybe calling you to something. And some of you, you've sensed like, hey, God is calling me to give 100000 I don't know, $100,000 before, by the time you're age 40. Or God's calling you to give a million dollars to him and his church by the time you're age 60. Or maybe there's a giving goal of some sort. Maybe God's calling you to work with teenage boys with our LP students ministry and to help them overcome their addictions, whether that's devices or, or, or pornography or some other addictions that are gripping students today. Or maybe for some of you, God is calling you to engage in the political environment. 
that you are sensing and believing that Christians can make a difference with our votes and our voices and our vocation, and you're feeling like God's calling me to step into that arena, whether locally or nationally, and, and you're sensing that call from him to step in and get involved. Or maybe for some of you, you're like, you know what? I know what God's calling me to. He's calling me to be a mentor. He's given this to me. He's given these experiences. And rather than just be about myself, he's calling me to this spring to mentor three people. Or this fall, I'm going to mentor two people. Maybe God's calling you. You're like, God's calling you specifically to work with fourth through sixth graders at, you know, our LP Kids Ministry. Or God's maybe calling you to reconcile with a family member this month or to reconcile and seek restoration with a friend. In a sentence, what is God calling you to do? How do you do the good work? You seek God consistently, faithfully, and then you you define the goal clearly. And then third, how do you do the good works? You make plans carefully. A goal without a plan, that's just a wish. And I think a lot of people, the reality is, you're just, they're just wishing. Man, honor God. Make a plan. Come up with a plan. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just be organized. Get organized. Have you ever thought about that? God is a systematic God. God created an orderly universe with precise predictability. Everything from the placement of the planets and the stars to the passage of time from day to night to the changing of seasons, there's seven days every week. There's not eight days on some weeks and six on another week. God's a systematic God. He's a God of order. All things with an orderly design. And Hebrews tells us that God upholds the universe by the word of his power. And sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get organized, be systematic, just like God. So make plans carefully. Nehemiah is specific and clear about his plans. Let's check it out. Nehemiah chapter two, verse six, it says this. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him I'm not sure why that's there. Um, I don't know if that's just an indication of how brilliant Nehemiah is. He's like, I'm not going to have a private conversation. I want, you know, the queen, she's a softie. You know, I want her there hearing all this. I don't know what's going on here, but it is interesting that they mention the queen's there. So, so they're there in both of their presence. And he asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? Now, I want you to notice, Nehemiah's not going to say, ah, I don't know. I don't have a clue. I I have no idea. I haven't thought about it yet. No, 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 that's not what he does. He doesn't say that. He says this. It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. He was specific with the king, and he set a time. Now watch him. I also said, if it pleases the king, and I want you to watch this specific request. If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they'll provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. In other words, king, will you get me some protection? Send letters to those who are in charge. I'm passing through and I need people to know that I have your authority. Verse eight, and by the way, since I'm bringing it up, May I have a letter to Asaph, 
keeper of the royal park, so that he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city walls and for the residence that I'm going to occupy. You know what Nehemiah's doing? He's specific. He's clear. He's asking for protection, and he's also asking for provision. It's clear. There's a plan. I need protection to travel, and I need provision to build. And then it says this in verse 8, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Nehemiah, he was just incredibly clear. He had a plan, and he said, here's how I'm going to accomplish it. And he went to the king with, with a sense of boldness and courage. Now, let me say this to all of you recovering perfectionists, just like myself, all you recovering perfectionists, you might want to write this one down. The plan doesn't have to be perfect. Now, for a lot of you, you're like, duh. But all of us perfectionist types, that's tough. So I want you to hear it again. The plan doesn't have to be perfect. It's better to execute a good plan now than to sit around for months and, and months and months or even years trying to create some perfect plan. Besides, everything changes anyway. So just create a careful plan. Not a perfect plan, but a careful plan and get rolling on it. Things are going to change and you'll have to modify and adapt and flex. That's just reality. In fact, when we would go on our missions trips, when we go on our mission trips to Mexico, we had like one motto or creed or rule. And it was simply this, be flexico in Mexico. Okay, that, that, that was it. You want to come on the trip? Very simple. Be flexico in Mexico. Be flexico, flexible. <laughs> because nothing was ever perfect and nothing ever worked according to the plan. I was thinking about all the different examples, but one kind of grabbed me. It was like our second or third year, and, and one of our leaders came up with the idea uh, of bringing down a 500-gallon water jug uh, so we could provide water for our group and showers and, and you know, warm up some water, and, and, and we just needed all the drinking water. And, and because water's kind of a big issue, we're kind of camping out, and we need, like, fresh water. And besides, we had seen these uh, more ministries than the ministries we went with. They had these giant water jugs. So Parson came up with this idea, hey, let's take one down. So we had our U-Haul, and we, go, we head on down with this empty container, and then we get to this church that we spent the night at, and that night we began to fill up the 500-gallon water jug. And then the next day, uh, we finished filling it up, and then we head out, and we went to Mexico, and we went and we head on into our site and get all set up. Now, we get to the campsite. It's time to take out the 500-gallon water jug because Dawn had planned to use, she had kind of careful plan. Here's how I'm using the U-Haul for my food, for people to come through. She had this important plan laid out for her to be successful, to do all that she had to do to provide us amazing food. Anyone want to guess what happened next when we tried to move the 500-gallon water jug? Anyone want to know what happened? Nothing. It was 3,500 pounds that none of us geniuses thought about when we tried to come up with our plan to bring water. So we had 3,000 pounds of water stuck right in the middle of the U-Haul that just jacked Dawn up and all her plans, and it really wreaked havoc, and we were like, Flexico and Mexico. Make your plans. Make them carefully. 
but they don't have to be perfect. But go ahead and make them anyways, and then hold them loosely, flexico. Maybe for some of you, your plans might be as simple as do the next right thing. Seriously, for some, that's, that's, that's a huge step for you. Because you look at, at, at the vision or the goal, and it's large, and it's huge. And for some of us, when we look at that, we get overwhelmed. They looked at the The walls are destroyed completely. The temple's destroyed. The gates are destroyed. We have no protection. We have nothing. People were overwhelmed by it. 50,000 people couldn't get anything going. Maybe for some of us, when you feel that, and if you've been there, you know what it's like. You get gripped and you actually get paralyzed, don't you? And then you do nothing. So maybe for some of us, it's simply your plan is to do the next right thing. Step by step. Success is not achieving something way out there in the future. Success is being faithful to do the right thing today. Being faithful to God today. That's your greatest calling. Ultimately, that is your good work. Being faithful to God today. So what is it for you? What's the next right thing? Maybe there's a ministry to get involved in for you. Okay, great. So your next step is setting up a meeting with somebody to talk about what's in your heart or to take a tour of something. Maybe for some of you, your next right thing, list a bunch of questions that you know you need to ask. Just be faithful. Take the next step. You got an idea you want to learn about something. Okay, I'm going to sign up for online classes. That's your step. Some of you are like, that's a big step. Okay, go watch it on YouTube and learn as much as you can on YouTube. For some of you, your next step is find a mentor. You need some help and encouragement. For some of you, it's writing a business plan. You've had this idea percolating. Okay, write the, the business plan. Listen to the podcast. Read the book. We seek God faithfully. We define the goal clearly. And then we make plans carefully and we take that next step. But then finally, how do you do a good work? You inspire people passionately. Inspire people passionately. Watch what Nehemiah does. He says to them and he acknowledges things aren't good. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Now, I actually like this. He's authentic. He's telling them the truth. He isn't sweeping it under the rug. He isn't pretending that, you know, that, that, you know hiding everything. He says, reality check here. And I got to tell you, here at LifePoint, that has always tried to be our, our modus operandi. We will be as honest and transparent as is possible and genuine. That's what we try to be from the day we started this church. And so he says this, see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem's in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. And then what does he say next? He says, so come on guys, let's do this. Let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Man, if we can do this, if we can rebuild these walls, we're not going to be in disgrace anymore. And then he says, and then I told them all about how God was moving in his gracious hand and what the king had said to me. Man, you guys got to listen to this. I was seeking God and I was going after God because I believe with all, God all things are possible. 
And so I just started praying. I didn't even know what it meant at the time, but I was praying and praying and praying. And finally, God gave me a plan. And I finally had an opportunity. God gave me an opportunity to talk to the king. I had no idea how I was going to get that opportunity. And he gave me that. So he's telling him all about this and what happened and the king and his wife. And, 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 and you know, she's convincing him, hey, this is a good thing. Let him go. And, and, and so that's happening. And the people are hearing this and they're getting inspired. Listen, you want to inspire others. Cast a vision of what is possible with God leading and God guiding with God going before us, with God opening doors to people's hearts that can't be opened any other way, that God moves, that God's with us. Let's get rolling. Let's go. Let's do this. God wants to use you to inspire people passionately with whom you have influence with and over. Now, what do you care about? Let it grip you. Let it move your heart to the point where you finally say, all right, I'm in. I'm gonna do something about it. In fact, what if that burden inside of you, what if that's not an accident? Now, I want you to think about this. What if God trusted that burden to you? What if God knows that you're the one who's gonna ache over it, you're the one who's gonna care about it, you're the one who's going to just you know, talk to him about it and pray about it, and he, he, you're the one that's gonna bother you more than it bothers anybody else. Maybe it's because that's the assignment that God has given you, and he wants to use you to then inspire others, to bring others along, to join you in that mission. The burden you bear often reveals the calling that you're willing to embrace. So how do you do it? How do you begin the work, good work? Well, like Nehemiah, you seek God faithfully and consistently. You define the vision, the goal. You define it and you're clear. One sentence, what is it? And then you, you set off and you make plans carefully. You take those next steps. And as you begin to do that, you bring others along and you inspire them passionately. You step out. You do what you can do, and then you want, because you're doing that in faith, then you watch what God will do, and what he will do is what beyond what you could possibly ask, think, or imagine. What is your good work he's calling you to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you. God, fully knowing that our hope and trust is in you to accomplish this good work. We can't do it on our own. We can't make it happen. We need you to guide and provide. So God, hear our prayers right now. I invite you to take a moment, you and God. What is he calling you to do? What is it in a sentence? Define it clearly. What does he put on your heart? Will you tell him right now, God, this is what, I, this is what I'm sensing. Here's what I'm knowing. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I want to pray about more. Tell him. Say, God, help me to begin to make plans carefully that you would lead and guide me. And then God, use me to bring others along to cast a vision and inspire them. God, hear these prayers. Prayers of world changers, 
God, you can do a great work in and through us. I'm excited about how it's going to play out in, in people's ministries, in their missions, in their vocations. God, I, what you're going to do, the good work you're going to do in us and through us. So God, use us all. We love you. We praise you. We praise you for Jesus and the incredible work that he did for us on a cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.